0: Christians often have the best of intentions when they take mission trips, but sometimes those good intentions can have harmful effects. Today you'll hear from someone from Africa who's experienced in receiving teams and get their perspective. Mission trips. That's our topic on this episode of Mission Life.
1: That planning starts with a motive. What is your motive? Why are you going?
0: Hello and welcome to the Mission Life Podcast, featuring stories of people putting faith into action. My name is Jeff. Thank you for listening. This year, nearly 1.5 million people will go on a short term mission trip. That represents nearly $2 billion in spending. With that much money being spent, more and more people are asking tough questions about mission trips. Questions like, are they worth it? Do they help or do they hurt in the long run? How can we be sure they have long-term impact for those going and those receiving the teams? Well, today I'm excited to bring you an interview with a friend of mine from Africa. He's gonna share his perspective as someone who is experienced in seeing teams come to his country. Jesse knows a lot about mission trips and his story is truly amazing. This is part one of my conversation with Jesse. During the podcast, you'll actually hear audio from my 2009 visit to his ministry. Jesse is from a small village in rural Liberia, West Africa. He spent his early childhood playing on the dusty pathways of Balama, along with his 26 brothers and sisters. Jesse likes to joke that he never had to worry about not having enough kids to play soccer in the neighborhood. His dad had nine wives and was one of the leading coffee growers in the country. Jesse is from the Pele tribe of Liberia, one of 16 tribes in the country. As a child, his mom didn't call him Jesse, though. Back then, he went by his Pele name, Noe. In his early teens, Noe was offered to a family as a child servant to help make money. He describes it as basically becoming a child slave. It was during this time in his life where his name was changed to Jesse. One night, he escaped and made his way to the city of Monrovia, where his days were spent on the streets and his nights in the waiting room of a hospital. Soon, a compassionate nurse named Miss Doya took him into her home and raised him. She taught him about Jesus and loved him as her own. She helped him get back in school and encouraged him to dream big, and dream he did. Jesse eventually received a scholarship to Mercer University here in Georgia, where he got his master's degree in business and a master's degree in divinity. I met Jesse in a leadership class in seminary as he was pursuing both degrees. Though he loved the United States and enjoyed the money he was making here, Jesse knew God was calling him back to his home village of Balama. In 2007, Jesse returned to Liberia and started a development organization called That the Balama Development Alliance. As a Liberian, Jesse has seen many mission teams from America. He knows personally the value they can have.
1: Um, I I would say a lot of who I am and the way I've turned out in terms of my personal growth with Christ and my commitment to service came out of me watching people serve, people who love God and people who go in the name of Jesus. Be it provide service or to share the good news through the spoken word but um i would say um and i've heard both pros and cons side of this conversation i have heard people say well we don't need to do mission trips and others people but i for one would say mission trips are highly encouraged i'm saying highly encouraged because mission trip is a dual blessing. The church that goes is blessed and the church that receives is also blessed if it's done right. And, um, the goal of, uh, the church universal, I know is to do the most good. People who go have good intentions. Um, they could be doing a lot of other things with their summertime and vacation time, but instead they chose to go in the name of Christ so that Christ will be glorified. And we all are in it so that Christ will be glorified. And in so doing, uh, Christ need to be the center.
0: That's the sound of the welcoming party at the entrance of Balama Village. Dancers and drummers welcome visitors who come to help. The people are warm and welcoming. The children beam with bright smiling faces. The chief honors visitors with a special ceremony. Given all this attention, Jesse knows firsthand the value of teams, but he's also figured out how best to use them in his organization.
1: Well, BDA, um, Balama Development Alliance, is a nonprofit organization registered here in the United States with programs and services in Liberia, West Africa. And our program focus include education. We have two primary schools. Both in Balama and Bansu communities of uh, Liberia, that provides primary education for 392 students in Balama and 501 students in Bansu. And especially the Bansu school is really a project of Don Woody Baptist Church because that sh- school was established primarily through the missional relationship between Don Woody and Bansu. Um, besides um, the education ministry, we also share Christ through microfinance. Um, we empower communities um, with small seed money to enable them start and grow small self sustained businesses that provide for their livelihood. We have changed life. We have seen lives change because we believe that evangelism should be transformational and it should uh, transform both the individual. receive the gospel in their communities so what a special way to do that uh, for us to be able to transform community both through the spoken word and through services to the community and especially empowering the community not just giving them fish but teaching them how to fish and additionally we groom leaders through our leadership development program so that when the programs of BALAMA have fully matured in a given communities, in a, excuse me, in a given community, there will be leaders to take over from B- BALAMA Development Alliance staff so that a community own whatever project is established. But we could not have done what we've done or achieved the success we've had with our mission teams. Mission teams have been the primary Um, staff of our programs, Um, especially with our elementary schools, we have had a most difficult time trying to find college educated teachers who will be willing to leave the city and relocate to the village to teach. I mean, in all fairness, yes, humanly nobody wants to put themselves and their family um, through that kind of challenge. So um, we have been able to find few willing individuals who may have very minimal education, probably high school education, and then um, also use teachers from the U.S. who go to Liberia on mission trips, and these teachers' a job is really to teach the teachers in Liberia how to teach. So without going to college, they have been able to learn from the experiences of U.S. teachers. They have been able to get some academic backgrounds um, through these seminars and workshops. So it has been a very enriched experience. For the teachers who go, I hear them, especially the U.S. teachers who go, I hear them say, they opened their eyes. They saw something in their career as teachers that they haven't seen before to see people who hunger for knowledge people who want to make a difference in their communities but just don't have the resources when they go overseas and see teachers who have very little resources um, may have very little education or even material resources but are still committed to teaching some of them have come back to the us very energized Saying, you know, we are in this battle together.
0: Going on a mission trip or leading one can be exhilarating. You're stepping outside your routine to enter another culture, sometimes an exotic place. Such an experience requires a lot of planning. There are plenty of details to cover. But what does it take to plan a trip that has a lasting impact on the goer and is actually helpful to the receiver?
1: Um, from the church in the West um, perspective, that planning starts with a motive. What is your motive? Why are you going? Has God called you to this? And what is God calling you to do? Is this a poverty tourism? If it, if it is a poverty tourism, then you really don't need to pay a two or $3,000 plane ticket just to see poverty. Um, in every community, there's a version of poverty. It might not be as chronic or as, um, severe as the poverty you would see in Africa or in, in other underdeveloped countries, but there's a version of poverty everywhere. So, um, to spend that, that amount of money just to go see poverty is not worth it. Um, and also, if it's just about going to make yourself feel good, You provide um, resources, money, and other things to poor people, and you leave feeling warm and fuzzy inside. Well, then where is Christ in that? So uh, we carefully have to evaluate our motive, and I mean prayerfully evaluate our motive. What is it God wants me to achieve on this trip? What is the lesson in there I need to learn? How is this going to transform not only my own life, but the lives that I'm going to encounter while on the trip? So, motive being number one. Christ needs to, we need to, the, the, the goers or the team members need to seek God's wisdom on what the motive is. What is it that God will have the team do? And what do we want to accomplish? What? Do we want, What kind of legacy do we want to leave in the name of Christ? And the second step to that um, going process is preparation. And that preparation um, starts with learning the culture of the people. There is no way that you can sit and learn someone else's culture in two or three weeks or just from a textbook. Um, Part of the learning process is really keeping an open mind, um, being open to receiving whatever is different. There will be things that are different, but also being open to see the good in it and being open to building relationship and being a listener, a good listener. Um, Often one of the challenges of the industrialized West is that we tend to we are productivity driven. We value our mission trip or we evaluate our, the, the productivity of our mission trip or the effectiveness of our mission trip by how many tasks we got accomplished. We paint our building, we write to the clinic, we, we made decks for school or we you know we go on with these lists. But the question is that really what Christ? wants from us sometimes um christ may just want us to build some relationship putting a building up is a good thing but what happened to the building if there's no relationship to back that so um motive number one preparation number two and that preparation i said also um cultural acquisition learning the receiving culture Trying to understand the worldview in which they function and also being ready to receive that worldview.
0: There's no replacement for good planning, that's for sure. But often teams will focus more on what they're going to do, the projects, the task, than the opportunity to connect and build relationships with the people they're going to see. I remember a trip I took to Haiti in 2012 to help build houses. I had been there three times before, so knew the people we were going to go visit. We told our host before coming down that we really wanted to spend most of our time building relationships instead of houses. The Haitians were proving they could build the houses without us. The trip was going well when our Haitian guide, Tiga, said something that stuck in my tiny brain. He said that he had left his vacation in the Dominican Republic two days early to be our guide. When he heard that we wanted to spend most of our time getting to know the people in the community. He said, if if you had just wanted to come and build a house, I would have let someone else lead you. But because you wanted to know and understand us better, I really wanted to come back to help you do that. Not many American teams want this. Tiga's comment made me realize the importance of understanding what the host really wants from us, not just... What we want to do to figure this out, communication between everyone involved is key. Jesse explains
1: Um, the planning process should really be a two way conversation between the church that is going Mm -hmm. and the receiving ministry or the receiving missionary or receiving community. Um, Number one, no church. No matter how good you think the program sounds or no matter how good um, service or service project you have designed might be or, or in your mind might be good for the community, um, a good place to start will be to listen to the community that's receiving you. What are their needs? Number one. Not what you are wanting to do, but what is it they want. What are the service opportunities? number two does the service opportunity align up with your mission objective is that something your church wants to get involved with and then thirdly um the agenda should really be set by the by the receiving um, ministry and also mission teams should stay away from doing for locals, for, for communities, what they are able to do for themselves. Um, painting a building sounds great, doing a medical clinic sounds great, but if there are nurses on the ground and there are hands and feet on the ground who can do painting very cheaply and efficiently, why pay $3,000 to leave United States just to go and paint? Mission trips should be planned around activities that train locals in skills that the economy does not have. Train locals to do things that they are not trained to do or that they do not have the resources or the ability to do. And then members of the mission trip in that role become mentors. They become mentors they become facilitators they become enabler instead of doing and then they should be able to give the local or the receiving community the opportunity to do
0: did you hear what jesse said mission teams should use their knowledge and skills to train people who might not otherwise have access to the training in their country. Instead of doing for them, we should do with them. We should help build their capacity as a result of our service. Using this mindset of mentoring and enabling, Jesse has also found ways to use people on teams that might not otherwise have thought they could be useful on a mission trip. Sometimes people think that unless they can do a VBS, play with kids, or fix something, they might not be of any help.
1: So the goal should always be to train trainers. Train trainers, or like businessmen. When businessmen, one thing I know um, that we have learned through the years of serving in Liberia, um, you hear businessmen in congregations say, well, I don't know how to teach the Bible. I don't know how to lead VBS. I'm not sure I'm gonna be of any use to the team. Or I don't know how to roof a building. No, you really don't need somebody to roof a building when there are local carpenters. When a businessman goes to Liberia, what they do, uh, or when we use businessmen, we use their expertise in helping us find local business opportunities to see what business opportunities that might be available to the locals that they are not aware of because they have business mind. They can see what can quickly be turned into a business opportunity to generate income, to, to, to provide employment for the local economy, and to find that it's sustainable. So um, um, plenty of teams should really be, always be issues centered around trainer of trainers.
0: There's a reality about mission trips that often goes ignored their big business. Mission trips are used by organizations as funding mechanisms. They know that American Christians have money, they like to travel, and want a meaningful experience. And unfortunately, there are many organizations ready to provide such an experience for the right amount of money. As a sender of teams, it's very helpful to know where your mission trip fits into the strategy of the ministry you're going to serve.
1: And it should be a two way, two-way alignment Mm -hmm. whatever mission activities that is planned for the team should be able to line up with the receiving ministry strategy Mm -hmm. and it should also be able to line up with the sending church strategy Mm -hmm. so if the two ways alignment works if it aligns if that ministry activity or whatever project that is planned aligns with the receiving ministry and the sending church they will have what I call a mutually beneficial partnership. Mm-hmm. Because some, some partnership is limited to funding. Mm-hmm. You know, we will let you come because you will send some money afterwards. But then if that is the case, then you just receive what the person sent you. If money is the goal, then I just say, well, let I will be patient when your people come. Take them around, show them beautiful places, and I say bye, and then you put my check in the mail. But in a mutually beneficial partnership, the mission strategies should be able to line, to, to, to line up from the both end. Um, it should be in agreement with the receiving ministry strategies and it should also be in agreement with the sending church strategy.
0: Mission teams have the best intentions. They want to serve and meet needs. And when they go to a poor country, often they'll think about what supplies to bring. Supplies like clothing, gifts, toys, shoes, because they want to help. But is this giving such a good idea? In their book, Helping Without Hurting in Short-Term Missions, Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert write that focusing primarily on needs, however real they may be, initiates the very dynamic that poisons our relationships. A dynamic that says... We are superior and they are inferior, and we are the only ones to change their situation. Jesse suggests we consider our giving from the perspective of the receiver.
1: Humanly, giving is a good thing. It is so blessing. I mean, the Bible says it's blessed to give than to receive, right? when you gave when you help to make somebody's lives better when you gave to make somebody's situation better it it makes you feel better about yourself as a person but the question is always how does it make that person feel the receiver how does it make them feel uh what are you trying to communicate are you saying that a person is not able to take care of themselves are you saying you ought to be their source or or, or their provider. Um, I I don't mean to say that mission teams should not give gifts. No. But giving gifts, there should be a clear expectation should be clarified. One-time gift is good. Multiple gift, If multiple gifts are given, there should be something given in return. Then it is called friendship friendship is a both-way street if friendship is one way the gift giving is one way then you are really the caregiver of that person you're not their friend so friendship should be both way and in terms of caring supplies for ministry um in our experience we've had churches come and do vbs And um, I love my U.S. partners. Um, When they come, sometimes a team comes with 15, 20 suitcases Mm -hmm. or frisbees or balloons, colorful balloons and colorful frisbees and, and sprinkles and shiny shiny and everything is looking good. And we have a lot of colorful papers, you know, scissors and markers, you know, to do all the pretty things and Obviously, the kids with whom they have VBS, they will have fun. It's fun. Every child wants to have beautiful things. But when we do that, we need to think about the ministry that we go to partner with. Can the ministry afford all the bells and whistles that we have introduced? When we leave, those things, sometimes they last for a week or two weeks thereafter how do you expect the ministry to continue what you started if they don't have the supplies that you took so when we plan these activities my advice is really to keep it as local as possible leave the bells and whistles home ask your local partner what is it you will want me use to demonstrate this lesson what is applicable what is local what can you get there um, very reason reasonably without breaking the bank and what is it you will have us do because um from a personal experience I've had mission teams come they do VBS and I mean I've seen 60 year old man on the on the soccer pitch catching frisbee I mean that's how fun it was I mean the whole village is involved in playing frisbee playing soccer, playing kickball, I mean, doing running races. But then afterwards, when the short-term mission team leaves, when the staff wants to do VBS with the kids, you can see the, the disappointment in their faces. like, this is not fun, <laughs> like when the people did it. And I, I like the kids in Balama. They refer to the mission team as the people. When the people came, it was fun, this is not fun. And it is not fun because we don't have the bills and whistles. Mm-hmm. And when mission teams do that, they not only perpetrate a dependent mindset, but it hurt the, mu- the ministry on the ground. They hurt the receiving ministry, they make it harder for the ministry on the ground to make lasting impact. Because you set an expectation, you raise the bar so high, and you give children an expectation that a, that the ministry, the local ministry, need to live up to. And if they don't live up to those expectations, you indirectly kill them. Mm. You kill the local ministry.
0: Mm.
1: I've also heard cases of
0: you know supplies, things being brought, the teams donated, mm-hmm. and the locals using them. Differently than what the missions. Oh team yes, is. they take yeah. them
1: to the local market, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that <laughs> and that, and that that's sometimes offensive to the donor, right? Like, I, I didn't bring it to sell <laughs> because you brought what they don't need. <laughs> if <laughs> let me tell you this, it's funny, Jeb, but <laughs> 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 Ooh, okay. Um, if, you, if somebody is hungry, um, they need food, to give them a few cups of rice, that's good. Uh, but the downside is you feed them just for a day. But if you give them the resources, maybe if you partner with a ministry on the ground, to buy them some gardening tools so they can make garden and have food for themselves. That's sustainable. Mm-hmm. That makes lasting impact. Mm-hmm. But if the person is hungry, instead of donating a garden tool through the ministry that is on the ground, you take them a timberland boots, or you take the lady a pearl jewelry, mm-hmm. or you take the ladies um, nice blouses and pants, guess where it is going? To the market because they have to get what they need, which is what? Food. They don't need a a Louis Vuitton purse. (laughs) They don't even know what a Louis Vuitton purse (laughs) is. So if you take a Louis Vuitton purse and see them selling it on the market, really what a lady need is maybe a seed money to help her start a small business so that she's able to take care of her family. So instead of taking a Louis Vuitton purse, Sell it to the goodwill or to the trade store and take that money and channel it through either the local ministry on the ground or give it directly to the person with the expectation that they will start a business or they will start a garden or they will do something that is going to continually provide for the family.
0: plan mission trips because Jesus has said that we must go to the nations. But how we go is what really matters. Mission trips can be life-changing experiences. They can change people's perspectives and attitudes, and even change people's career decisions. But they can also be little more than poverty tourism, meant to appease a consumer demand for an experience. Instead of focusing so much on our experiences, perhaps we need to focus on the actual change that we are working with the host partner to bring about. Fortunately, people like Jesse are changing the way people send mission teams. Jesse has helped me personally see the value of listening, asking what the host really needs, and seeing the potential in many of the world's poor to pull themselves out of poverty. He's also helped me see the unintended consequences of our good intentions. Jesse's ideas relate to all teams though, not just those going to poor countries. I look forward to posting part two of our conversation where Jesse dives into what receiving organizations can do to help ensure mission teams are really helpful. If you'd like to know more about the principles that Jesse has shared, check out the book Helping Without Hurting in Short-Term Mission Trips. This is an excellent resource that will help you ask the right questions in preparing to go or lead a team. For information on Jesse's organization, the Balama Development Alliance, check them out at balamaproject.com. Dot org. That's B A L A M A project.org. There you will find information about bda strategy for community empowerment and disciple making. Jesse and his team are doing fantastic work. That's it for this episode of Mission Life. Check us out and subscribe to hear new episodes every other Thursday on iTunes. You can also find the podcast uploaded on my website at jeffreems.com with brief show notes.